Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. Today, I'm excited because we're going to talk all about conflict IQ for mediators. And I'm so excited for today's guest. Today's guest is Yvette Durazo. Yvette is the founder of Unitive Consulting, a leadership coaching, strategic conflict management, and consulting firm. A San Diego, California native raised in between the U.S.-Mexico border, she now resides in the county of Santa Clara, California, to expand her opportunities to serve organizations with her unique educational background and capability. Yvette brings a strategic consulting and coaching perspective to finding unique solutions to complex business and organizational human relationship challenges. Presently, Yvette served as an executive committee member for the Alameda County Bar Association ADR section. She is the former ADR program administrator for the Superior Court of California, Alameda County. She is a former core adjunct professor at National where she taught classes in alternative dispute resolution, conflict resolution, mediation, and communication. And now she teaches for Portland State University, UCSC, and UC Davis conflict resolution programs. She is an active member of the Association for Conflict Resolution and International Coaching Federation. Yvette's academic background includes a master's in conflict resolution, negotiation, and peacebuilding, from California State Dominguez Hill, a bachelor's degree in international business with an emphasis in Latin American studies from San Diego State University. And I wanna add, Yvette is the author of Conflict Intelligence Quotient, Conflict IQ, The Missing Piece to Turbocharge Conscious Leaders and Organizations' Emotional Intelligence. So with that, Yvette, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very much appreciated. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm so excited to talk about conflict IQ. So just to give a little bit of context, I mean, I'm, you know, I've heard about emotional intelligence and of course familiar with IQ, but can you help me a little understand a little bit what is conflict IQ? Thank you. Yes. Um, well, let me just briefly explain to you how this, this came about. Um, as I was working with uh, leaders in organizations, I uh, typically would go to utilizing the emotional intelligence, um, uh, the IQ um, test or assessment. And, and I would find that, you know, there were, you know, people that, um, that I was working with and I was coaching that, we're not that bad in, in emotional intelligence, but yet they, they had this fear. They didn't know how to have difficult conversations or high stake conversations in, in that fear about conflict uh, at overall. So um, I realized that while I was utilizing, um, you know, all of the, the skills and tools that I had developed throughout my degrees and all of the uh, numerous certification programs that I went through in order to build myself as a specialist in this area of alternative dispute resolution, I realized that, you know, my clients were saying, wow, you know, this is like a, a, a master course, what you're giving he, me here. And, you know, and I feel like that I, that I feel more uh, strong about 
you know, dealing with conflict and in managing conflict. And, and that's how, uh, like around in 2013, um, the, the idea about conflict IQ came about because I realized that, you know, emotional intelli intelligence was an amazing uh, tool that came about, right? Um, but yet, you know, even though that it, that it works when you develop that emotional intelligence to be able to deal with, with conflict, but when it's fully externalizing, you're dealing with uh, other people, right? Um, then is where it gets uh, tricky and it gets fearful. And, and the majority of people are, you know, concerned because, you know, they, uh, you know, nobody wants to deal with conflict, of course. And then on top of that, we have our body, right, that just triggers certain ways of being that does not allow us to be in a state in where we can um, intelligently um, lead conversations and, and be in a position to resolve or manage conflict, right? Because one of the things in here that I always teach my students and I always share is that not all, not all conflict can be resolved, but, you know, you can manage it. And, uh, and that is what it's called uh, conflict intelligence. It is a, a, a cap of capacity to be able to shift from uh, levels of consciousness to smartly be able to confront and resolve and manage conflict. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Albert Einstein's very famous quote that says, um, the conflict cannot be resolved from the same level of consciousness from which is it was created. So that is pretty much uh, the quote that really helped me to develop the this book in in conflict intelligence and that's really interesting and and i was just thinking about that quote that you just mentioned i mean yeah it seems like conflict intelligence conflict iq you know based on what you're describing it seems like it's this combination of being aware you know having this awareness of maybe how you respond to conflict but then also having the requisite skills in order to be able to respond in an appropriate manner. Am I am I following you? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of like that. You know, it is it is about being able to um, create self awareness, be able to regulate your emotions, but at the same time, be able to understand from your perspective. Uh, what is it that it's going on on your own mind that might impede you from being in a state of being in where you can deal and, and resolve uh, situations instead of being reactive, right? And at the same time, um, be able to have certain skills and capabilities and aptitudes that will allow you to be more intelligent about the situation in order to you know, in order to be able to reach the outcomes that you wish uh, to have in situations. And obviously, you know, those outcomes are to be in a, in a positive state, right? Yeah, and that makes sense. And so I'm wondering, you know, just to get a, a little bit more descriptive, can you tell me, I mean, what are the behaviors of someone who has conflict IQ versus someone who does not have it? Like the people who have it, what, what are the types of things that they're saying or doing or not saying or not doing? Well, let me also share with you that in my book, I, I, I talk uh, about my father. 
And and um, and you're talking about what are the behaviors, right? And and I always got intrigued when when I as I was growing up, you know, I I I was with my dad in his business, and and I used to pay so much attention as to the reactions and in, in the ways that people will talk very highly about my dad, and. You know, my father didn't have any formal ed education at all. He barely went to second grade. He was an orphan at the age of seven and, um, and he had to work since he was a, a very young kid and no way he could have gone to, to school. And yet he, he had these traits. And I was always very curious as to, you know, you always hear the, the, the saying, that's a leader it's made or is it form, right? Um, can 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 it be both? Or you know, and I and I think that it could be both. You know, it could be um, how is it that an individual takes their uh, own experiences through life, and either they can see it as a negative way and be bitter because you know they have to go through hardships, or they can turn it around and 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 use that to to the betterment of their own their own persona and how they work or, or deal with other people. So you know if it, a lot of the things that I would describe about a, a conflict IQ uh, person or a leader, I would say that it would um, it would uh, have uh, the ability to you know foster trust on others, you know have that presence that um, it is in a state of peace, right? Because what I mentioned about in my book is the the um, you know, the theory about um, unitive, you know, that's why my company is called unitive. And it's a, um, you know, in a theological and a psychological state of being, it is uh, being in a state in where nothing really bothers you. You're so secure about yourself. You're very detached from your ego. You're um, in a state of peace because, you know, nothing will, will, um, you know, affect you or, or, or move your, your emotions in a way that you'll be reactive. Rather, you will be in a state of empathy, in a state of curiosity, to be, um, you know, in a state of humility and, and have that candor to be able to um, be open for feedback while you also provide, you know, feedback to, to others in a positive way in, in spaces of learning conversation rather than criticizing or, or making other people feel less than. Um, you know, it is a person that, uh, you know, brings about their, their persona a, a state of transparency uh, that it doesn't have a, a fear of conflict, but rather see conflict as an opportunity instead of, of something negative. Um, and, um, and it's someone that people tend to trust, you know, um, people that, uh, you know, will be called in to perhaps be able to help others to resolve conflict very naturally. And, and I think that, you know, throughout our life, we have seen that, you know, there are people, even though that they're not trained in this field of alternative dispute resolution and mediation, 
um, you know, we have leaders out there that people will call in because either they have that presence, they have the ability to see, um, you know, conflict as an opportunity and, and, um, and have that, you know, ways of being that can help other people to untangle their thinking and their levels of consciousness so that they can be in a space where, where, where they can resolve, uh, you know, issues, right? Um, and I think that obviously humility, emotional intelligence, conflict intelligence, um, and that capacity to uh, looking at a whole system mindset, instead of just you know, seeing things from their own perspective, but having that global vision of seeing from different perspectives that not only they care about themselves, but others, and also care about the overall um, aspects of the organization in the, in the goals and objectives. So it really um, re requires, you know, a very unique person per se, but I, but I don't, um, hesitate to say that, you know, everybody can get to those, to those levels of thinking, right? Uh, that's why I wrote the book, because I, you know, I saw that in my father, I saw it within myself as well, right? Because as the more I, I, I emerge myself in the ADR um, field, I get to, uh, you know, experience myself and, and be able to uh, create awareness that, you know, do not, um, put me in a state in where I uh, block myself so much that I cannot be there for other people. You know, in, in when you're resolving or helping to resolve conflict to other people, um, you know, as a neutral third party, you become selfless. You're, you're not the main person, the main character in the, in the situation. And, and you have to have, you know, uh, you know, much levels of humility. Um, gratefulness, gratitude, um, and be very secure about yourself in order to be able to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. And as you mentioned that last little bit there, how, you know, as a mediator, have, how you have to be selfless, meaning that, you know, you're focused on the other person. It, it seems like a lot of the traits that you mention of someone who has conflict intelligence, it's, it sounds like it's someone who is um, aware not only of themselves, but aware and concerned about others. I mean, you mentioned things like being curious and humility and open to feedback, transparency, seeing conflict as an opportunity. It seems like those are all traits which would be, you know, involving others, not just being self-centered and thinking about what works for you. Am I, am I following? Yes, yes, that's that's pretty a very good recap. Yeah. All right, very cool. Well, so one thing I'm curious about, you know, nowadays with so many interactions taking place online, you know, you see more text messaging, more emails, you know, video calls. How does conflict IQ come into play in those settings where maybe, you know, you don't have things like you know, body language to, to base communication on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, well, in the in the online world where where we have to do so many zooms and videos, um, we lose the opportunity to read body language, and and we have to rely on other things. We have to rely on our on our ears to hear the tonality of people in your tonality as well. Um, you know, 
there is the saying that, you know, 50-something 50, 50 percent is body language, a 37 percent or 30-something percent is tonality, and only 7 percent what you say. So, you you know, even though that we're doing these uh, communications in, in video, we still have that responsibility as the communicator to be able to communicate in the best possible way, and the same way, be able to utilize the tone of voice of people to understand and read um, what is going on on the other other people's side. Um, you know, when we're talking about texting or we're talking about uh, writing emails, you know, writing there, we we lost that. We lost the the idea about the tone of voice. Perhaps we're reading into something, and our interpretation of how we're reading things can denotate and create the state of being of the other person in many occasions. And, and it is very easy for, for, for people to forget that, the, uh, in that in the other side of that email, in the other side of that text, or in the other side of that video, there is a human. Um, there is this phenomena called that it is, um, you know, mechanical distance in where, you know, we forget that, um, you know, that on the other side, there's a human, the same uh, phenomena happens with road rage. You know, when people are driving on cars, right? People think that they're in their own bubble, their own car, and, and they see another car, you know, moving too fast in the lane or, or racing and, and immediately the person in the other car gets very upset. And, and then they do things to um, affect other people, right? but they totally forget that it is not that they're just affecting a, a car, right? They forget that there is a human being inside the car and we just don't know what's going on with that person, right? We just don't know. We interpret that they're either stupid or they don't care about anybody else, but we just don't know what's going on. We don't know whether the person it's dealing with a bad day, whether medication is affecting them in their driving, whether they just recently received a bad news. We just don't know. And, and, and that is a, a phenomena of, of mechanical distance that, that you know, affects us. And in being conflict intelligence, you don't react to those things. You are able to very quickly be able to hold yourself and know that there is another human on the other side, right? And, and then you take the responsibility of how you're going to interact in, in the scenario, in the situation, how you're going to respond to emails, always with the consideration of humility, emotional intelligence, you know, be able to... Um, to um, look into the outcome, the positive outcome that you wish to have in any interactions that you have with other human beings and not forgetting that there are human beings on the other side. Yeah, that makes sense. And so now I wanna switch gears a little bit and maybe kind of get into how conflict IQ has a role within the context of a mediator actually doing a mediation. And so I know you had this really great video, you were featured on the mediate.com great reads book club. Uh, and I loved watching that video. That was awesome. Um, and one of the things I wanted to follow up on with you on is it was suggested that mediators use a conflict intelligence assessment as part of their mediation preparation with parties. And I know that you have one that you've developed. 
And so I'm curious to hear, to get your perspective, you know, what's the next step for a mediator if a mediator uses a conflict intelligence assessment and if it's discovered that maybe one of the parties lacks conflict intelligence? That's a great question. And, I, and before I answer that, you know, I also wanted to mention that, you know, these uh, conflict IQ assessment would be ideal also to assess mediators. Uh, why I say that? Because, you know, I'm in the field of, of mediation for, for quite a, a good good decade already. And, and I have been in, in positions in where I have been an instructor teaching mediation courses and and I, I, I know the ins and outs of, of how is it or or how is it that you train a good mediator and what are the the things that um, are trainings or skill sets or aptitudes or or um, you know or personality traits right that um, a good mediator can can have and and we're still dealing nowadays that um, I get it over and over when I talk to people that they didn't have good mediations and, and it affected them. And, and, and the overall, it affects the entire alternative dispute resolution field because you know when, when a mediator uh, does not do a good job and, and gives bad experience to someone else, you know, these people speak to other clients. You know, they don't have a good experience and word of mouth, it's powerful. You know, we're talking about how, you know, uh, Walmart develop their, their marketing, right? They never spend a lot of money in marketing, but it was word of mouth. Everybody was going to Walmart back in the days, as you, as, as you can recall. The same thing happens here. And, and it worries me because I do care deeply for this field and the, 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 the value and the beauty of it and the opportunity that can give to the client to experience a, a such a pure process that would allow people to be able to uh, experience resolving conflict from a different way that they have never perhaps thought it would be possible. But then how do we know that a, a, you know, a mediator is a good mediator? I think that it should have these, these traits of conflict intelligence and self in order to be able to, to run a good mediation for people. Now, um, you're talking about using this assessment for clients. I think that it, this assessment, I actually developed it as well with the idea in mind that I, that I enjoy so much working with organizations and conflicts inside organizations, right? Human conflict inside of organizations is, is kind of my specialty. I really enjoy that, that piece of the field. And, and, I, and I see that this assessment can be a valuable tool for um, employees that want to grow in their in their in their career, that want to become better leaders, and and obviously uh, employers can bring these assessments into into their organizations to be able also to assess individuals and be able to develop individuals so that they can become great leaders in their organizations. Where I might hesitate a little bit to suggest using these assessments is in situations of, of divorce, right? Because divorce are extremely emotional. Divorce, uh, people are already coming with, with feeling at fault 
that you know one person and the other are not working together um, in a in the best possible way, and then they have uh, you know uh, children that are dealing with consequences of, of adults going through a divorce, and perhaps you know people would not be open to have another negative thing coming their way if they were to do the assessment, and then all of a sudden know that they don't they don't have a conflict IQ right um, when they're in the process of a divorce. But let's say for example, there they come to a mediator because they want to preserve the relationship. They want to be able not to end up in a divorce, perhaps this assessment can be extremely valuable for, for those folks that want to stay in relationships, that want to transform relationships. That's interesting. And I wanted to highlight, because you brought up a really great point in using, you know, if, if a mediator is considering using a conflict IQ assessment, uh, it's important to be mindful of what setting you're using it within, because it sounds like, you know, there's some settings where it may make more sense than other, but then also just in terms of um, who is taking the assessment. So on the one hand, it might be useful with certain clients. And then on the other hand, I thought it was really interesting you mentioned the importance of a mediator knowing their own conflict IQ. And so it sounds like, you know, just by virtue of being a mediator, you know, having skills in like active listening, reframing and so on, you know, many of the skills that I'm sure many of us remember from our basic mediation training, that does not automatically equate to conflict IQ. That conflict IQ is its own distinct skill. Well, I, I call it not a, a distinct skill, but I call it a meta skill which is a combination of a lot of skills within and also aptitudes, you know, because the reality is that when people are in a state of stress, fleet and fight and, 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 and fly, uh, the skills leave off the window, you know, and it is your aptitudes that really come out at that point in time. And when your aptitudes are in alignment with you know, with being uh, humble, being in a state of gratitude, you know, having wisdom, having resiliency, you know, all of these metal skills, um, you know, mediators will show up very different. Mediators will not be triggered by their clients because they know who they are and they know their roles and they don't step the line that anything will trigger them and then then blur and and be and, and not being the best mediator um, in the scenario. I think that in this field of work, the uh, self-introspect and, and self-development, it's key. It's key. You know, being if you're with an attitude that you're a, a life learner, this is a field that you will really enjoy because trust me, every conflict is so different. I never get bored with what I do because I'm always fascinated. I'm always in a state of learning. Every time that I that I help clients with, with situations, you know, either, either when there are parties involved, when there's two people, or either when I'm coaching one-on-one -on -one people. Yeah, and you know, I would say I this is definitely, I agree with you. This is definitely a field where, I mean, you definitely have to be proactive 
and, you know, developing your own kind of learning plan, right? And engaging in that continuous self-improvement and talking to other mediators and going to conferences and reading the various books and whatnot. I mean, this is definitely a field that that requires that sort of um, self-direction. So I hear you on that. And, um, you know, just to switch gears a little bit, one final question I wanted to ask, because um, this has been so fascinating and I'm curious to, to get to continue to get your tips and whatnot. Um, so let's say, you know, hypothetically in a mediation, you know, a mediator, maybe they've done the, the conflict IQ assessment on themselves, um, you know, or maybe they haven't, or, you know, they've just noticed that the parties have different levels of conflict IQ. How can a mediator manage that in a mediation? Well, this is where probably the learnings that we have been dealing well with in this in this couple of two years in diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? You know, equity and, and um, equality extremely different, right? So, how can a mediator use equity um, to be able to use their skills in order to help those clients that are not in the in 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 that state of emotional you know conflict intelligence right how is it that that you would be able to facilitate the communication and perhaps help one party a little bit more than the other if they don't have that capacity to verbalize what they need right or they become extremely emotional how can a mediator uh, work with that individual in order in order to to help them calm them down in order for them to continue communicating with the other person. So that is very important that the mediator be very well skilled in order to do those things, right? And one of the things that this pandemic and, and this revolution about you know uh, uh, civil rights has given us in these couple of years is to realize that humans are humans and we we have emotions we we have to bring that into the table and those and those things are important that's why nowadays more than ever you know conflict resolution skills have become a very important skill to have in the workplace when before conflict resolution skills were rarely talked about and they were considered you know these soft skills that were not necessarily because you don't talk about emotions in the workplace, right? Or you don't talk about emotions, you know, in the legal legal stance of, of, of things, right? And, and the legal disputes. Emotions are are you know are something that they they were not being taken care of. And and nowadays, you know, we're seeing that you know people are different. People now they want to bring the whole person to their workplace, be able to um, voice their emotions, and 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 now more than ever is when we need to have very well skilled mediators in order to be able to help people with all of the things that we're we're dealing as a society as a whole. You know, because this is this situation that we're dealing is not something that just happened in one part of the country or in one part of the world. Everybody globally is dealing with this. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and now I can see why, you know, you describe conflict IQ as that missing piece to, as you say, turbocharge emotional intelligence. I get it. I get it. 
Um, well, Yvette, this has been such a fascinating episode. I really appreciate you coming on the Mediate.com podcast. You know, if any listeners want to connect with you to learn more about your work, how can they do so? Um, they can they can uh, follow me in LinkedIn. I have uh, a LinkedIn page. I have uh, I do a lot of postings. I do a lot of articles. They can Google my name, and and you will see a lot of my YouTube videos there. Uh, articles that I have published in in several publications, Mediate.com, um, and um, and recently in a magazine called Brains. Um, they can also look me up in my website. It's www unitiveconsulting.com. Very cool. And we'll go ahead and put a link to your website in the show notes. Um, all right. Well, cool. Thank well, you so much. Yeah, no problem. Again, thanks again for being on the show, Yvette. I appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.